little slower pace now and just dive deep into some of these writings. There's part of this writing that is difficult to understand unless you put it in context. A lot of people can read it and come up with some mistaken impressions uh, just because of the way it's written. So let's look at that tonight. James chapter 5, verse 13. There's the question again. Are any of you suffering hardships? Amen. We can all say amen. Many times we are suffering hardships. The answer, simple as it sounds, is true. You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Amen. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man, person, excuse me, has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Can you say amen? God bless you. Be seated. Amen. Three questions, three answers. And I like how he says, you should. You should, you should, you should. Not you can, because many times we have solutions to our problems, and we get to pick and choose, well, maybe I do, maybe I don't, maybe I do this, maybe I do that. He said, this isn't just an option, it's you should do these things. If you're suffering hardships, you should pray. If you're happy, you should sing praises. Amen. I hope you sing. Anyone like to sing? You like to sing in front of people or alone? Both is good, but I hope that when you're alone, you can sing. There is a tremendous avenue of worship, connection with God when you sing songs to the Lord. You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Now, it's complicated. There's layer upon layer in here. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let's take a look. We're going to focus on uh, verses 14, 15, and 16. 
Let me ask a question. If you're not feeling well, and you go to the doctor, doctor doesn't run any tests, just makes a guess as to why you're not feeling well, and says, I'm going to prescribe you an antibiotic for the nurse. Do antibiotics cure everything? They can hurt more than they help. So just because you get medicine doesn't mean that it's going to help you. Ever done that? Taking medicine like Doc? <laughs> Not doing any better. If I got to do it worse. Need something different. Need to figure out what's going on. I think that what James is helping us understand without going into, he doesn't go into a lot of elaborate depth, but he's writing under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I think that he wants us to understand at a certain level that there are different kinds of sicknesses. The scripture mentions there is sickness unto death. That's the old King James. Let me see if I can find that for you real quick. Uh, John chapter 11. How about John 11? John 11. This is the story of Lazarus. And let me ask you somebody, did Lazarus die? Oh, he did. Right. But Jesus said the sickness will not end in death. You notice that the sickness did not end in death. Even though Lazarus died, the sickness did not end in death. Don't take God wrong. People say, well, Jesus said he wasn't going to die. No, he didn't say he wasn't going to die. He said the sickness will not end in death. So, whole other story there. Praise God. But, so, there are sicknesses that are unto death, as the old King James says, or will end in death. There are sicknesses that do not end in death. Does God heal every sickness? No. Why? Don't understand. He doesn't tell us why. There were times in Jesus' ministry where it says that he healed everyone. Right? A couple of times it mentions that he healed everyone. But not everyone got healed all the time. Now Jesus could have simply issued an edict, a decree, saying sickness is gone. Everyone be healed. You believe that? He's God. He can do anything he wants to. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, he said. He could have healed all disease instantly. And never, never have to fight again. Why do you think he did not do that? For the wages of sin is death. Sin brings penalty. 
death entered into the world through Adam and through Adam all to all mankind. Death is part of our existence until we see a new heaven, new earth, and the resurrection is complete in Jesus Christ. So while Jesus could have stopped the scourge of sickness, he chose not to at that time. Someday there will be no more sickness. Amen. Someday there will be uh, no, no need for medicine, no need for pharmaceutical research, no need for surgical centers or hospitals or doctors. I'm looking forward to that day in Jesus. Amen. But until that time comes, there will be sickness and disease because of the scourge of sin. Do not be convinced and confused saying that all sickness is a direct result of sin. The disciples asked Jesus one day when they saw this blind man, blind from birth, what was the question they asked him? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he be born blind? Uh, always a fascinating question. How could the man have sinned before he was born in order to be born blind? Unless they were referring to the original sin. Maybe that's what they meant. Was it just the root of sin? Uh, the, the Jews believe that if Parents, if man and woman committed adultery or fornication before, uh, you know, the, before the child was born, the child was born out of uh, fornication, they believe that many times that caused birth defects, uh, like the blindness that that man suffered. So the question was rooted in uh, a cultural belief or superstition, but also can be tied back to, again, the, the, the original sin condition. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, none of the above. This is to show the glory of God. God's going to take this situation and show his glory. So, uh, not all sin or not all sickness is a direct result of somebody's sin. Are there exceptions to the case? Yeah. Yeah. If you present yourself to the doctor with stage four lung disease because you puffed on those cigarettes for 50 years, that's what you call a result, sickness is a result of sin. Make sense? If your liver becomes hard as a rock, what is that called? Cirrhosis of the liver. And the doctor says, how many drinks a day? Yeah. So there are sins, there are things that we do that can cause disease. Are there people that die of lung disease, lung cancer, never having smoked a cigarette in their lives? Yes. Are there people who die of cirrhosis of the liver without ever having drunk alcohol? Yes. So you can't say that all lung cancer is as a result, a direct result of somebody's sin smoking cigarettes. Just be careful how we approach things. It can be a cause. Sin can be a cause of, of, of sickness. Directly. Now, indirectly, 
Yes, all sickness and all death is a result of sin. But it's not to say that you sinned, therefore you got cancer. Make sense? So the sin condition of man, the sinful nature of man, we're born in sin, shapen in iniquity, and the sorrow that sin inflicts on the world through sickness and through death ultimately is the cause of sickness. But don't confuse and say, well, everyone who gets sick, it's because they sinned. All right. Are any of you sick? Who's he writing to? The church. So if sin, if you had to directly sin to get sick, church is in pretty bad condition. Because we've all been sick lately, haven't we? One, one, one thing or another. Amen. Yeah, there you go. The world is full of sickness. Everywhere you go, people are sick. Um, cycles we go through. It can be as simple as allergies. If you don't think allergy is a sickness, you don't have allergies. Amen. It can be as simple as that. It'll make you miserable. It can be something tragic. It can be life-changing, like a cancer, a heart disease, or other things like that. So... Um, the, the, the condition of sickness afflicts us all from time to time. Are any of you sick? I think the question is couched in such a way that it means nobody is exempt from getting sick. Everyone can and eventually will at some point get sick with something. However, we don't have to panic, nor do we have to give up hope when we're sick. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Before I dissect that statement, once again, let me ask you, does God heal every sickness every time we pray? No more than you're sick. And the doctor gives you antibiotic just because he or she feels like giving you antibiotic. May not touch it. I believe there are different causes and different kinds of, when I say kinds of sickness, not the disease classifications. But again, we saw, uh, just briefly, we looked at uh, sickness unto death, sickness that's not unto death. Some things are going to end in death. Ultimately, until Jesus comes, guess what? We're dust, going back to dust. It's going to happen sooner or later, short of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only two people in recorded scripture did not taste death quickly. Who were those two people? There you go, Elijah and Enoch. Both taken up by God to be with him. Um, many believe that Elijah and Enoch will be the two prophets that come back, book of Revelation, and are killed in the streets of Jerusalem. So, uh, if we want to be blanket statement, everyone's going to taste of death. Even Jesus Christ tasted death. 
Of course, his was different because he laid down his life and he took it back up himself. Master of all things. Some sickness will end in death. And I don't care how much we pray. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. Doesn't mean you should give up. Because you think that this is it. It's the big one. Not necessarily. You may think you're dying. And if you give up hope, you may well die. Amen. Don't give up hope. Do not give up hope. Hope springs eternal. Amen. Trust in God. Let that love for life drive you. And it, that, that will to survive can take us through many, many, many hardships and sufferings and agonies. Um, but admit and agree and accept at some point, some sickness is going to take you out. Amen. Just to put it bluntly. Uh, unless a, a bus takes us out first. Amen. <laughs> So, we should pray for every sickness. I believe we should pray for every sickness. If you, back to the analogy, if you're sick and you say, well, if I go to the doctor, he or she might get the medication wrong, so I'm just not going to go to the doctor. What are your chances of making it through a disease that requires medication to be cured. It's called slim to none. So you, you need to go and be treated. You need to pray. You should pray. Well, I prayed before and God didn't touch it. Hello? Just because God didn't. Just because God didn't answer that prayer yesterday does not mean that He will answer it today. Amen. I can remind you again of the parable of the unjust judge. I've talked about that several times recently. Jesus was not saying that God is unjust. Nor was he saying that God ignores us when we pray. But the fact of the matter is, for reasons for which we may never understand, there are times that we pray and the answer doesn't come the first time we pray. And we pray again and the answer doesn't come. And we pray yet again and the answer doesn't come. And we pray again and the answer doesn't come. The scripture says to pray and take a pause. Pray and give up. It says to pray what? Without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Don't stop praying. Even if you are giving up on yourself, don't give up on God. Keep praying. Amen. So here in James 5, he's telling us, if you're sick, you should pray. Period. Don't even think about it. Well, should I? If you're sick, you should 
Pray. Amen. Amen. Make it more automatic than reaching for the Tylenol bottle. Make it more automatic than going to the urgent care clinic. If you're sick, pray. And not only you pray, and don't get me wrong, God answers most prayers right from your mouth. Your lips to God's ears, as they say. Amen. I don't know if you realize that. Start counting up in your own life. How many times has God answered your prayer before anyone else prayed for you? You should have faith in God and have that confidence to pray and express your needs to God and see God answer your prayer time and time again. It's amazing. You start counting up. And if, again, if, you, if there are a way, were a way to chart how many prayers were answered by your lips to God's ears before you even get to come and call for the elders of the church, I guarantee you'd be shocked how many times God answers your prayer just because you prayed. After all, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and shall be opened to you. Have faith and pray. Now, if you've prayed and you're not feeling well, what's your next step? Tylenol bottle. No, 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 no. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Coming and praying over you can happen over the telephone, can happen over a Zoom session. Doesn't even have to be on the telephone. I prayed for people. They said it. Someone got the message. They need prayer. And I prayed. And God's healed. And I never saw the person. We were never in the same room present or heard each other's voices. Because prayer doesn't depend on me being there with you. God's there with you. That's what matters. But there is a component of prayer in action. Now, I... I cannot and will not even begin to explain or understand even how this happens. I can't tell you how, because the scripture doesn't explain how, and tells us why, but it doesn't go into the, the, the intricacies of how prayer can heal the sick. Now, let's break it down. Does the act of vocalizing words from our hearts to God's ears heal the sick? It's not the act of words causing sickness to be healed. If that were true, then anybody could buy a prayer book. Oh wait, they do that, don't they? Anybody could recite words. Anybody could chant some Latin. <gasps> They're healed. No, 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 no. 
It's not the act of vocalizing words that causes prayer to succeed. God is the one who heals. All source of healing comes from God. So if saying words don't make healing happen, why do we pray? Because God said to. It's really as simple as that. God said, pray. Don't you know the king felt silly when the prophet walked in his room and says, I want you to grab that quiver of arrows and start beating the ground. Remember that story? The king needed God to answer him and give him victories over his enemies. The prophet said, take an arrow, start beating the ground. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Don't you know he felt silly? Okay. Didn't see anything happen. Sure, why not? Preacher's still looking at me. Okay, one more time. And the preacher got angry. Come on, man. Sir, king, your majesty. Why didn't you smite the ground six or seven times? Because you see, you didn't know what God was doing. But God was granting you... Let me pause. People love to think about genies granting three wishes, right? Oh, people dream, if only I could have a magic bottle and find a genie and three wishes and oh, I could ask this and I could this. And You don't need a genie in a bottle. You need a God in heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What God was doing, the king didn't know it, didn't understand it. But the prophet knew... And the prophet wasn't telling. He didn't need to. God said, just tell him to obey. Show some faith. And for every time the king smote the ground with that arrow, God was granting him a victory in a battle over his enemies. And God said, you asked for three wins, you got three wins. But you needed six or seven to wipe out your enemies. So now you're going to have some wins, and then you're going to keep fighting the same thing over and over and over again because you didn't believe and obey with all of your heart. You half-heartedly went through with this. I can't tell you how this can heal the sick. Jesus, I'm sick. Please heal me. Oh, wait, we need a drum roll, don't we? We need a crescendo. We need a crash of thunder. We need 10,000 people praying and crying out to God for us to be healed. No. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church. And they will pray. Those, the act of saying those words, and it can be as simple as that. We need healing, God. Please send healing. And please pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's where the power is. In Jesus' name.
That act of obedience and faith is what God asks you to do. And when God asks you to do something, you should do it. You really should do it. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, come on, the famous question. Come on, help me. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they believed, and they repented, and they were baptized, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Thousands added to the church that day. You know, some of them had to say, that sounds silly. I can't imagine what repentance will do, saying, I'm sorry for my sins. I can't imagine why I need to be dunked under water in some... They didn't have baptismal tanks. They had cattle pools or wells. I don't understand how that's going to do anything to help my sin situation. You don't have to understand. What you have to do is believe and obey. And because they were commanded, they obeyed. And sins were forgiven in Jesus' name. We don't have to understand. And many times, you know, someday we, we always say, when we get to heaven, we'll find out. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Will it matter? It really won't matter. Praying for the sick can and does bring results. Not always. Again, not every medicine helps every disease. But there are sicknesses that God allows to be healed through prayer. Some won't be healed. Some are sicknesses unto death. Different kinds of sickness react to prayer differently. But for the most part, from what I can tell in Scripture, because Jesus healed a whole lot of sickness, it's clear that most sickness responds well to prayer. Amen. So, is it just any prayer? Can you pray for yourself to be healed and be healed? Ask whatever you will, Jesus said, shall be done. So, I think it's clear, talking to you about how sickness seems to respond to prayer. Some sickness does not respond at all to prayer because those are sicknesses unto death. It looks like there are some sicknesses somewhere in between that respond better to the anointed prayer of the elders. Otherwise, why would we be commanded specifically to call for the elders of the church to pray. I'm not building any doctrines. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. I want you to think about this. If you've prayed for yourself and you don't get relief, pray again. Pray again. Pray a few times. Sometimes God's just saying, come on, keep praying. 
But if it gets to where you don't see a response to your own prayer, does that mean you're not going to get an answer? No. It means you ratchet it up a little bit and say, okay, I need prayer. Call for the elders of the church. Some people refuse to ask for prayer. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Because we're humans. And we don't want to make a scene. We don't want to whatever, right? You need to have enough faith in God and in the process that God asks us to follow to call for the elders of the church. Sometimes God lays it on my heart, Elder Jim's heart, other people's heart, to go pray for people. And that's awesome. But the ultimate responsibility is for you to call for the elders of the church to come pray. Part of that is submission. Part of that is simple faith. It's saying, I haven't gotten an answer yet, but I believe that there's still hope. And I believe that we can take it up to the next level, if you will, and call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you. Some of you, maybe all of you, have seen the meme that was going around a while back. This joke, rather, about the man that came to the preacher and asked for prayer. He said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my hearing. I know they know this one. The story says, the preacher said, of course I'll pray. And he begins to pray. And oh, he gets all worked up and he's shaking around. Oh, he's praying, praying. After five minutes, sweat dripping off. He says, okay, brother, how's your hearing now? I don't know, pastor. My hearing's not until two weeks in court. (laughs) We need to know what we're praying for. We need to have focused prayer. We need to have faith in our prayers. Now, we don't always know what we're praying for. Sometimes uh, there's that crowd, that crush of people, if you will, that's described in the Scriptures, and we've all seen it, where there's just so many needs and so many things to pray for, and we're just following God and and praying and, and exercising faith. But it helps to make our needs known unto God. That's another key thing that the Apostle Paul tells us. Make your needs known to God. He emphasizes, he he implies being detailed in our ask. There's nothing wrong in saying, God, I have heart disease. I've got lung disease. Versus, I'm not feeling well, Lord, I'm sick. It helps us to be specific in our prayers. It doesn't help God because God already knows everything. But it helps us get our faith focused on God. When you call for the elders of the church, you are calling on the authority that God has invested in the church. None of us are superhuman. Are you superhuman, elder? I'm not superhuman. Was was Elijah superhuman? Scripture says he was as human as we are, verse 17. 
We are not superhuman. The ministry is not superhuman. We are as human as anybody else. When God called me to preach, he did not invest me with superhumanity. But what God does invest in the ministry of the church, Scripture says he gave gifts to the church. He gave the ministry to the church. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are gifts that God gave to you. No, I'm not God's gift to the church. The ministry that God placed in me is God's gift to the church. God chooses to do some things only through His ministry. Just like in the Old Testament, He chose to do some things only through the priesthood. Again, there are no priests, even the high priests. You think the high priests were superhuman and super righteous? Remember a man named Caiaphas? The high priest who was complicit in selling Jesus Christ into execution by death on the cross? The ministry is not superhuman. But friend, the gifts and the anointing that come invested in the ministry bring gifts to the church. Are ministers, preachers, pastors the only ones that can be used in healing in a special way? No. When Paul writes to the church about the gifts of the Spirit, one of the gifts is called the gifts of healing. Some are endowed with gifts of healing. Those are people, and I've met a few, not many in my life. And there are a lot that claim to have the gifts that don't. There are many who claim to have the gifts of healing and don't. We call them charlatans. Make a big show about healing. Going to fill your teeth if you have cavities. No, you're not. Of all the healings that God, Jesus Christ, performed in his ministry, Never once does it mention fixing cavities. For the record, amen. Now, people can have gifts of healing. Those who receive the gifts of healing are, it's a blessing. Oh, it is a tremendous blessing when somebody has the gift of healing. Let me ask you this. Does somebody with a gift of healing see somebody healed every time they pray? 
No. Because the gift of healing is not a magic wand. What it is, I don't know how else to put it, God listens to those prayers a little more closely than a general prayer for healing. I don't understand this. Why would God choose to do that? But I'm telling you how it works because that's described in the scriptures. So there are prayers. Not all prayers are equal. If I am sick with a disease that I prayed and prayed and the elders of the church have prayed and I'm not seeing any healing, I'd love to find somebody with a gift of healing and have them pray for me. Does that mean that the elders didn't pray right? No. Because, you see, it's not on the elders to heal you. I've never healed anybody. But I've seen a lot of people healed after I prayed for them. Did I heal it? No. God healed the sick. God is the one that always heals anything. Why things? There's so many things that go into the equation, right? Now, there can be a lack of faith, yes. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Faith can overcome insurmountable odds. And faith can override Sometimes those diseases that are unto death. But it's not always if you're not healed, don't automatically say, well, I didn't have enough faith. Because how much faith does it take to move a mountain? We know we have to pray. That's a given. If you pray and you don't get the answer, call for the elders of the church. Come and pray over you. Now, when we come to pray for you, what's this? Is this oil magical? Did it come from the Holy Land? Maybe, I don't know. Does it matter? No. Somebody bought this for us a long time back. This bottle is oh so sticky and old, it's crazy. This is anointing oil with frankincense, myrrh, and spikenard. And it's written in about four different languages. So that makes it special. This will heal you. Yeah. It's anointing oil. The scripture doesn't say call for the elders of the church and they will bring out the special anointing oil. It just says they will anoint you with oil. Now, I don't want to sound flippant. Do you know what? If I were in a mechanic shop and I didn't have olive oil, I'll take 10W40. Amen. Don't look at me crazy. It doesn't say what kind of oil. Does it matter what kind of oil? 
Because it's not the oil that does the healing. So why does he, why do you think he commands us, the elders, to anoint you with oil? Anyone? Guess? What is oil, what has oil always symbolized in the scriptures? Thinking, thinking, what? More than just the presence of God, the oil of the anointing symbolizes the power of the Spirit of God. Back when the high priest Aaron and his sons were first anointed into the priesthood, they poured oil on top of their heads. Now, when we pray for you, I promise you I'm not going to dump a quart of oil in your head. We just get a little on our fingers and put it on your forehead, right? But they literally took a flask of oil and poured it on Aaron's head and his son's head. The scripture says that it ran down his head all the way through his beard and dripped down all the way to the hem of his garment and his feet. He was covered with oil. And that was God's symbol of the anointing of the Spirit of God. So the oil is not magical in and of itself. But friend, it's calling on the authority of the power of the Spirit of God. Now, if you want to be healed, you need the Spirit of God at work. Amen. And again, it's not nothing magical in the oil. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But is it ever commanded or even allowed for you, not the elders of the church, but you saints to anoint with oil and pray? The scripture says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall this, 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 and they shall what? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Does it say they will anoint them with oil? No. So, what is it about laying hands on the sick? You are allowed to lay hands on the sick. I am allowed to lay hands on the sick. In fact, we are told to lay hands on the sick. That's a different component from the anointing of oil. Now, laying hands on the sick. A lot of things that can symbolize. Part of it is, I think, just the simple connection that people feel through us with God. I've felt it myself. Have you ever felt it? When people come to pray for you and they lay hands on you, it's like a shock of electricity, like, woo, where'd that come from? Pretty amazing, right? They didn't rub their feet on the carpet and shock you. No, no, no. There is a connection that happens in the Holy Ghost. When we are obeying God's word, there is power that can happen in Jesus' name when I or you lay hands on somebody to pray. So it's a layered approach, if you will. There are components to the equation for 
power in healing and prayer. You start with your own prayer. If that doesn't bring results, at some point, you call for the elders of the church. And if we're not there, we're just going to pray over the phone or wherever. That, that, that's, there's power in that. But I'm telling you, if we're here present, we are supposed to come to you. We are supposed to lay hands on you. And we are to anoint you with oil. And some people, I think, get all caught up in laying on the hands of the anointing of oil, and they forget to pray. Through it all, if you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. Elders aren't going to heal simply by laying hands on you or anointing you with oil. Got to pray. Prayer is the common component in all of this. We all have to end up praying at some point. Anointing you with oil. And what's the final component there? In what? In the name of the Lord. What's the name of the Lord? Jesus. And whatever you do, whether it be in word or in deed, do it all. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some people laugh at us for always praying in Jesus' name. I heard somebody, we prayed for dinner, offered thanks, finished saying in Jesus' name. And this person chuckles. They said, <laughs> yeah, you folks always pray everything in Jesus' name. Well, excuse me. <laughs> How else are we supposed to pray? Pray in Jesus' name. Again, what is it about saying in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name? By the way, can you say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Can you say in the name of filling all the blanks of all the titles of God and Jesus? Yes. You can call him the, the Lion of Judah, and you should. You can call him the Lily of the Valley, and you should. Bright morning star. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But finish it all in the name of Jesus. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. Now, the name of Jesus has authority over the sin condition that we talked about, the general sin condition that Adam brought into the world and passed on to all of us. I know Eve committed the first sin, but guess who brought it into the human race? Adam's deliberate choice of sin caused us all this pain and sorrow. So, when we call on the name of Jesus, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are directly attacking the sin condition of this world. If there is a spiritual component to the sickness, the name of Jesus has authority over every spirit, every power, every dominion. doesn't matter what the cause is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, when we pray, we must do so in the name of Jesus. 
Doesn't matter if I say in Jesus' name at the beginning of the prayer versus the end. Doesn't matter if I wait till the end to say in Jesus' name. Doesn't matter if I pray somewhere in the middle saying, Lord, it's in your name. I call in on. No. It's not a repetitious formula. Again, it's not a chant or an incantation. It is calling on the authority of the name of Jesus. When we pray, so you call for the elders of the church, they come, they pray over you, or they lay their hands on you, they anoint you with oil, and we pray in the name of the Lord. We've done everything we can do. We've done what was commanded of us. If you don't get healed, don't go beating yourself up. Oh, I didn't have enough faith. Unless you didn't. In that case, pray, Lord, increase our faith. But if you had faith, and you came and you asked for prayer, and we did exactly what the Lord said to do, and you're not healed, huh, so much for the pastor's prayer. Not my fault. Not a fault of anything. We, we somehow assign blame and fault to everything that doesn't happen the way we want it to. It's not a question of blame. It's a question of the underlying things that we don't see sometimes. All we can do is what God tells us to do. And when we've done that, we need to take a step back and let God do his thing. Because if we always prayed and we always saw the healing happen, guess what we would become? Demigods. And people would no longer need God for healing because they could just come to me. And I can automatically dispense healing. I don't own healing. I can't give you healing. God owns healing. God heals when God wants to heal. Amen. All right. Quickly, I know it's time's taking. Let's, let's look at this. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Again, does every prayer heal every sickness? No. Again, understand. I think you have to look at the context and understand what he's driving at because now he's moving into sins that cause illness. Can certain sins call illness? Yes, they can cause illness. Um, if you are sick because you have sinned, let me pause quickly. Somebody, quickly, tell me one sin listed in scriptures that can cause sickness or even death. Pardon? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that's, uh, that's condemnation to hell, not physical sickness. A little worse, right? <laughs> A little more serious. The only thing I can think of or remember in the Scripture that where directly says that a sin can cause illness or death is when Paul was teaching about the Lord's Supper and the communion or the agape, the love feast of the saints. And again, people get all caught up in, oh, I'm not perfect. 
I take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to die. Wouldn't that be pretty grim? Paul specifically says, you sin if you don't discern the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you, and in the context that he gave that in was not so much, there's a component of, of examining yourself and making sure that you're as right with God as you can be, don't get me wrong. But the specific context of that teaching was a church divided with elitism, with cliques, with people who don't want to associate with each other, who bring their love feast where everyone's supposed to eat, like the potluck, if you will. But no, we don't want Brother David to come and eat with us. He's new. God bless you, man. Let's see. So before he gets here, let's have our own little supper real quick. And if there's anything left over, he can have it. Paul said, you start doing that, and guess what? You bring wine, and you get drunk in church. And you cause divisions, and you cause shame to be brought on the name of Jesus Christ. That's what he was talking about. And he said, that kind of sin, many, he said, are weak, and some sleep or have died. There are some sins that can cause sickness or even death. So if that is the case, you come and you pray, God said, I'll forgive that sickness, that sin that's caused the sickness. Don't, please don't come and say, pray for me, pastor, so that I don't have to repent of my sins. Because the scripture says, if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. And the elders pray for you. Don't take it out of context. It's not a shortcut where you don't have to repent. If you don't repent, you'll be condemned. But if you have sinned and you're contrite, it's caused you sickness in your body, and you're contrite enough to repent and call on God's mercy, when the elders pray for you, God said that sin will be forgiven. And the beautiful thing, it doesn't just say that you'll be healed. It does say that. You'll, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. But it also says, and the Lord will make you well. This world dreams of wellness. If I go to the benefits portal, the job where I work, there's a whole section dedicated to wellness. We want you to be well. Everyone dreams of wellness. Wellness implies a state, a holistic state of well-being. God said, I'm able to heal your specific problem, but I'm also able to make you well to where these things don't keep coming back time and time again. And I think that some, I know that I fail in this sometimes. I think we all do. We get so caught up in, Lord, heal this. I have 
this diagnosis. I have this pain. I have this disease. I have this. Heal this. God's able to heal this. But he's also able to heal that. Stand if you will, please. Amen. He's able to heal everything. He's able to bring wellness into our hearts and spirits. Does verse 16 say that you should go blabbing every sin you've ever committed to everyone in church? Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed. No. I don't think he's saying wholesale go and confess everything you've ever done wrong to the church. But Jesus did say if you come to pray and you realize that you have something against your brother or sister or they have something against you, what did he say to do? Don't pray. He said leave your gift at the altar and do what? Go and find that brother that sister. Make things right with them. And then come back and offer your gift. And your prayers will be heard. That's what James is saying. If you got something you need to get off your chest with somebody, you're wasting your time to keep praying until you get things right. Your brother, your sister. Because if you can't get right with your brother or sister, you're not going to get right with God. So if there's something you need to confess, something you need to work through, do so. And you will be healed. You will heal. Friend, there's power in prayer. Sunday I talked about changing the weather through our prayers, through our dedication to changing our situation in God. This gets down into the nitty-gritty of what James was talking about. Prayer is powerful. If you're having trouble, pray. If you're happy, sing praises, yes, that's a form of prayer as well. Express yourself to God. And if you're sick, You've reached that point. Your prayers aren't being answered the way you would like them to. Come. The elders will anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. We'll pray over you. And the prayer of faith will be set. And the Lord will be Praise God. Yes, ma'am. Eight years ago, I remember. A lot of prayers going up for you. Eight years later, blessed. Isn't God good? Amen. So many examples of prayer. That's a tremendous one right there. God is faithful. Amen. God answered those prayers. So, if you're having trouble tonight, pray. Feeling good? Sing some prayers, some praises to God. And if you need to, call us. We will happily anoint you with oil. Lay hands on you in Jesus' name. And the Lord will keep you. God bless you.